Welcome to Pioneers of a More Data-Driven Union, the series created by Elder Research to spotlight government leaders leveraging analytics and technology to solve complex problems for public good. Our first series is titled AI for Public Good with multiple segments. I am Christina Ho, your host, and I'm excited to bring you another episode today. Our topic today is what can the chief data officers do to accelerate AI adoption in the federal government? I am super excited today to have David Spurk, who is the chief data officer at the Department of Defense, join me today. And after I introduce him, you'll understand why I'm so excited. Dave was appointed as the Department of Defense Chief Data Officer in June 2020. In this role, he is responsible for standing up the DOD Data Office and driving a focus on warfighter needs, data governance, and a data-ready workforce to create a strong data culture across the department. Prior to his appointment as the DOD CDO, he held a number of high-profile leadership roles in developing and implementing data and AI strategies at U.S. Special Operations Command, U.S. Special Operations Forces, Secretary of Air Force Office. He also has held senior-level position leading the intelligence operations at U.S. Central Command and other components. Dave is a former Marine who was deployed overseas numerous times and held various analytic targeting positions before receiving an honorable discharge. Welcome, Dave. Hi, Christina. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, so DOD is the largest federal agency with over $700 billion in annual budget, nearly $3 million um, military and civilian employees, operations all over the world. You probably have the most challenging CDO job in the federal government, given the size of the agency and the scope of operation, especially when so much many of them involve human lives. So this is a really critical role. With your impressive background, you could do anything. So what made you decide to take on this role? And um, what do you think your past have done in preparing you for this? Yeah, so, so uh, you know, humorously, when, when uh, General Tony Thomas, uh, then the U.S. SOCOM commander, asked me to, to uh, go be the first uh, chief data officer and director of soft AI in, in, in U.S. SOCOM's history, um, I think it was within my first week, um, he introduced me as the only guy stupid enough to show up and actually try to do it. So um, I, I, I think maybe a little bit of that carries into this. But in, in all seriousness, um, I, I didn't expect I didn't expect to get to uh, get this position. Um, I, it, it's extremely humbling to be given the opportunity. Um, it was in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, I, I had had a conversation with Secretary Norquist, Deputy Secretary Norquist. Um, and the Honorable Mr. Dana DC, the uh, CIO at the time. Um, they didn't call it an interview. Um, they just called it a conversation. 
Uh, I went out on the front porch, uh, poured a glass of wine for my wife and said, don't worry, Amy, there's no way they're ever going to offer me that job. Uh, and then and then a little bit later, they did, uh, about about four weeks later. And I was honestly surprised. And I asked Dana DC, I said, Dana, why, why me? I think there's a hundred, uh, a thousand people that would be better for this. Uh, and, and what he said was it was time to make a transition from a CDO that just focused on business analytics. And it was time to go into a CDO who focused on the most important thing we have in our arsenal, which is the joint warfighter. Um, the army, the, the army, the Navy, um, the air force, the space force, the Marine Corps, um, individual who's on the ground in a climate place that can uh, be more proficient in uh, their mission and, frankly, just get home safely uh, to their family and loved ones um, if, if we start doing it with, using data uh, to improve their, their ability. Over. Yeah, I could see with you your own background that you actually have done that uh, yourself. Uh, I, I could see why you're the perfect candidate for this job. Um, and it sounds like you enjoy um, the support from senior leadership uh, all the way from the deputy secretary. So what have you been focusing on uh, since your appointment last year and what are your current priorities? <clears throat> yeah, so so um, we've, we've focused on a lot of the, the run block tackle of, of, uh, of, of becoming a data-centric organization. Um, you know, like many industries these days, I tried to explain to our senior most leaders that we're not the Department of Defense anymore. We're a data company. Um, and we need to, to, to culturally have that mindset if we hope to move into a place where we really can recognize moving from data-informed to data-driven and eventually to data-led. And, and when I think data-led, that's when I think of prescriptive analytics, uh, applied AI at, at a scale that, that we've, we've yet to even comprehend. Um, I think we're still in the early stages uh, of that journey. I don't think you can skip a stage and, and actually get uh, to that, that, that masterful, um, you know, data-led end. Um, so we're doing a lot of the foundational work to get data informed. Um, we, we've uh, signed out memorandums uh, on data cataloging as a requirement, uh, something that, that um, you know, we, we didn't have. No, nobody had mandated that we are going to have a federated data catalog across the department. So, so putting just a basic piece like that in place and then teaching people how to do that, what that why it's important, you know, uh, how, how you do something like that. And, and I think that gets to, you know, as we start to do some of those run block tackle type data things, um, it also gets down to setting conditions for a more data fluent workforce. Um, you know, I was in a, a meeting with the Deputy Secretary of Defense when General Hyten um, and Lieutenant General Kral, uh gave her her first briefing on Joint All-Domain Command and Control, uh, JADC2 as it's known, and what that means for the department and the strategy. And at the end of it, she said, okay, does anybody have anything else to say? And I was sitting next to General Kral. I said, ma'am, I, I, I think an important component of this is the, the, the data force, um, which isn't its own you know, it's not like the Space Force. It's everywhere. But but to the point I made her was, you know, I, I can sign out the best policies in the world. If we don't have somebody at Echelon who understands why that policy is important, what it means, and then how to do something about it, even if we are providing a, a centralized resource for them to do that thing we're asking, we're not going to get it done. So in increasing the department's skill, uh, data fluency, 
um, at, at an organic level, at a foundational level, um, so that we can move the needle, I think is a really important thing. Yeah, I really like the data-informed, data-driven, and data-led. So what, what would you say are the biggest, some of the biggest challenges in moving an organization in this direction? And why do you think that the CDO role, what made the CDO role unique in addressing these challenges? So um, there's a variety of ways I could answer that. I'm trying to, to, to find the best. Um, I, 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 think, I think the CDO role, I'll start there. I think the CDO role is really unique um, way to address this because um, everybody has data. It, it's as simple as that. And everybody has an opportunity to use their data in a, a, a more profound way to become more proficient and efficient at what they're doing. One of the, the, the things that we have done is we've actually used our executive analytics uh, effort um, as a bit of a stocking horse to encourage that more broad change in the department. And what I mean by that is, you know, when, when we first started with executive analytics and, and Greg Little, uh, our deputy CFO, um, and, and, and the team that started uh, the advancing analytics capability, Advana, as it's known today, um, you know, they, they were first movers. And, and uh, it took a lot of guts. It took a lot of guts from the CFO because they were going to do something that was different and oftentimes when you do something different in a large organization, um, you're the person who has identified yourself as a target and, you know, rounds start becoming in, inbound uh, frequently. And, and, and Greg, Greg and, and the team um, had enough grit to just stay after it and to recognize that it was going to be imperfect at first because they were just trying to figure out how to do it. But using audit, using some of the, the, the unique CFO uh, um, um, I'll, I'll say scare tactics, uh, to get the first tranche of data in, to start showing the edge of what is possible was, was an, an early ability of ours to, to say, hey, see, like, um, imagine if we started using other types of data. What, what if we used personnel and readiness data next? And we started unlocking some of that. And so we were gradually able to work our way through the principal staff assistance saying, hey, you know, we're going to start presenting these at the Deputies Management and Action Group, the, the, the group that the, the Deputy Secretary of Defense herself, the Vice Chairman, sits at and, and manages the business of the department. And we're going to start presenting that live data in front of here. And you can imagine the first response was, oh, you know, that, that's not the right data. I've got the figures over here in PowerPoint. Let me show them to you. But as we just didn't let up and as we started pushing that live data decision-making um, in discovery into those DMAGs with our senior most leaders, we were able to bring more and more people to the platform. And then the more we brought them to the platform and the more we started using this executive analytics capability to, to showcase their efforts to the Deputy Secretary of Defense, to DepSec Def Hicks, what we've been able to do is to start having the PSAs who initially were reluctantly, you know, coming in, um, now they're starting to recognize the potential themselves and so we started at the strategic level, but it's proliferating its way down now that they're inventing their own new ways to use what was just a senior most leader tool to manage each individual PSA, each individual department, each individual agency. So it's fun watching everybody go from, I'm not sure about this, to, wow, guess what I can do? And maybe there's a little competition even taking place between PSAs now 
Um, so it's, 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 it's been a fun journey. I've only got to be a part of for the last year, but I've known Greg and worked with Greg and the team since they started this about three years ago. Um, and to watch it mature um, and to watch the department mature around it has been, has been fantastic. Yeah, so much of what you just said resonated with me, including being the target. Um, when I uh, was leading the implementation of the data app, I had um, I was the target for many uh, agencies. But it's really great to hear that uh, this dashboard and showing people what's possible and focusing on uh, giving people a vision and um, with the early adopters and then later on more people uh, come and that I think is really a, the right approach. I'm really excited to hear about those progress. Um, so about AI, um, which areas do you think um, present the biggest opportunity at DOD? If I were to start overlaying meaningful AI, kind of on that continuum of data-informed, data-driven, data-led, I think we start to see machine learning come in towards the right side of data-informed um, and through data-driven. Um, and I, I think we need to make sure we don't put the cart before the horse um, and, and expect too much uh, from, from Lieutenant General Mike Grone, who's doing a fantastic job in, in, as the second director of the Joint Artificial Intelligence Center and kind of figuring out what, what, is, what is Jake 2.0 and what is Jake 3.0 going to be um, and, and kind of walking the department logically um, with realistic expectations um, into that space. As far as, and I don't want to speak, speak for him, um, but areas that I've I focused on when I was at SOCOM and dual-hatted um, were the low-hanging fruit of predictive maintenance. Um, when you start to look at the opportunity, um, when, you, when you look at, our, at what we did with our Night Stalkers at the 160th um, and how we went from can we get data off the bird to now look what we can do in managing our fleet just because we um, put good data management practices in place and then brought in um, some algorithms to help us uh, predict engine failure. Um, it, it was a fantastic run. It showed the art of the possible. And frankly, it got our leaders inspired about the other areas that, that we could do. Another area that I'm, I'm, I'm excited about um, was the beginning of some of our efforts in uh, brain health um, in identifying um, patterns uh, in, in military occupational specialties uh, deployments, injuries, uh, sustained uh, training required um, that would allow you on a continuum to maybe understand that there's been enough micro-concussive events, even if there wasn't one big one, that we should probably pull the individual out. We should probably do some testing and ensure that we're not doing something that um, we couldn't remediate now and extend that individual's career and healthy uh, retirement uh, on, on their time uh, when that's right. So I think there's some really fantastic applied AI capabilities on the, the health side um, that, that we'll get to um, in partnership with industry. But then very much it, it goes back to joint warfighting, um, I, I, I think, in, in actually managing the battle space. Um, you know, we have, we, we have kind of legacy and doctrinal uh, concepts of common intel pictures and common operating pictures and what that means and how we do it and, you know, how we make decisions. Well, if we start to bring all of that into a good uh, modern data management platform, 
Uh, if we start to steer those data feeds into this, we can start to unleash, um, you know, kind of a, a single pane of glass uh, ability to start using some predictive analytics um, that will allow us to start to identify based on what we have as a perceived threat um, or, or a, a, a known um, target, whether that's kinetic or non-kinetic. Um, we can use uh, the artificial intelligence, the machine learning platforms to give us best courses of action within our rules of engagement, um, thereby executing more proficiently and efficiently, um, which I think is good for our service members, um, the non-combatants um, that are around us, or, or even just those people in a humanitarian uh, disaster relief type scenario that need the help. Yeah. That, those are great examples. Um, so now I'm going to ask you to look into a crystal ball. Okay. Uh, so do you, um, you know, what do you envision like in five years at DOD with the AI and machine learning uh, in terms of um, the, the use of those to, you know, get to some of these uh, examples you just uh, mentioned? I, I, I think that if, if again, um, looking at the crystal ball, with, with a little experience, uh, having been a plank holder on Project Maven, um, it, it takes it takes time, it, it, it takes effort, it takes a willingness to accept failure, um, and an ability to recover from that lesson learned and and not give up. It goes back to the Greg Little you know grit comment. Um, what what I think we need to do is set expectations. Um, not of, of massive autonomous systems, but just, hey, you know, where can we r really use robotic process automation? You know, where can we, we augment a human um, who's looking at full motion video uh, 12 hours a day and, and instead of have them look at one feed, have them uh, uh, overwatch a series of six models um, that are doing that for them? Um, you know, how can we improve the speed uh, of a decision-making chain that requires a human inside it, but that can be expedited from a month, a week, a day, an hour to minutes. I think that's where really um, AI is going to take us in the next five years. I don't think we're going to be in a place where we have uh, massive autonomous systems and you know, swarms of autonomous drones doing crazy things that a sci-fi writer would put um, in, in a novel um, and, and scare people unrealistically. I think what it really is going to do is help us in the battle space with speed of decision um, and, and, you know, in the same way in the boardroom um, with, with precision of decision and better understanding of offsets if decisions are made. Yeah. DOD um, is so big and their, your operation and scope is so large. It, it, it is unrealistic to think that uh, something that big will happen uh, overnight. Uh, and, and I know that the department has gone through many transformations. So do you think that um, this particular one, transformation endeavor on the data is different from previous ones? I, I would like to say yes, I hope, I think is the best way I'd answer that. I hope. I, I, I you know, I, I tell you, when, when uh, we knew that there was going to be a change in administration, um, you know, there were, there were a lot of people um, who were nervous. 
Um, there were a lot of individuals who believed we were we were just getting up, you know, in, into a walk on the, the data front, um, that we were getting ready to get into a run. And now, wait, everything's going to change uh, because with the administration change, priority changes, you know, uh, focus areas change. What I tried to assure as many of, of, of the, the, the people in the data community as I could was I, I don't think anyone's going to walk away from data. Um, it, it is it is now a known. It is now a given that that the corporation, the industry, the nation who owns their data um, will be able to outcompete, um, you know, wh whoever that competition is. Um, what I will tell you is uh, from a department perspective, what my gut told me was we better hold on. I think we're going to go faster. Um, that's absolutely what is taking place right now. Um, Secretary Hicks, Deputy Secretary Hicks, um, has been a, a, a powerful, not just ally, but but not just proponent, but honestly, she is pushing us hard. Uh, she's pushing us in a way I've not seen the department ever pushed on the data front. Um, her chief of staff, Dr. Rada Plum, um, having spent time at, at uh, Facebook and Google before coming into this job working analytics, um, is unrelenting in her demands of the data community. And it's great. Um, it, it, it is really great. You know, on 5 May, uh, Deputy Secretary Hicks uh, signed out uh, the department's first DOD data decrease. Um, you know, the snap in the chalk line, you know, heretofore, we will move to an open data standard architecture, period. Um, you know, analogous with, with some of the things that we've seen in industry um, where they've said, we're not going back. We are moving forward, and these are the decrees, these are the commandments um, that we're going to adhere to. Um, it's been a very powerful enabler for us, um, and I think it's one of those things that's going to set conditions for us to continue accelerating. That's really great to hear. And it's exciting to hear all this momentum being built and also great leadership and strong senior leadership support. Um, but I know the work is still hard and uh, there's a lot of work to do uh, that, that you have to do and lead. So that leads me to the, my last question that I ask every person who come on my podcast is that innovating the government is really hard. What drives you to do such hard things? You know, um, not to get emotional, but uh, I could right now. It, it's my family. It is. Um, it's, it's other people's families. It's knowing that we've, we've lost people that, could, that, that, that wouldn't have been lost if we, if, if we just used, you know, our, our data better. Um, we've been making decisions and we've been comfortable making data-free de decisions um, for too long. Um, that's an archaic way of thinking. Uh, we've had the tools in place to do better for a long time. And so I think there's a growing, uh, passionate and senior group of people who are not going to let us go back to that place. Um, you know, we, we never want to lose the human instinct. We want to bring the human instinct into um, that data-driven uh, decision-making place. Um, it's our responsibility to ensure that the data ecosystem is right uh, so, that, so that we don't have to wonder uh, if we did something smarter, if we did something faster and smarter, could we have saved lives? Could we have done it better? Um, and, and can our families, you know, remain safe? And it, it's not a trivial thing to say, you know, the American way uh, continue to uh, proliferate as a beacon for other 
nations to see um, and, and recognize that, that freedom, you know, it, it, it's kitschy, right? Freedom isn't free. Um, well, it takes data. And, and I think we're in a place that, that um, I'm lucky to have senior leaders to allow me to at least take one more shot to, to move us into a more data-driven place. Wow, Dave, thank you. I, I feel emotional myself um, with those statements. And thank you so much for doing what you do. And I want, I want to support you however I can. And um, thank you so much for coming and share so authentically about um, what's happening and what you're doing and your challenges. So I know other people here, when they hear it, they're going to really appreciate it and inspire by it. Thank you so much, Dave. Thank you, Christina, for having me and for the hard work you did in blazing a trail that allowed us to fall in and have the authorities and requirements to do what we do. You, you set these conditions. Thank you.